Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. You know, the weather's getting warmer, so I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, Mm -hmm. okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14-karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I am Kate Spencer. And I'm Dori Shafrir. And we are not experts. No, we're not. We are two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. And before we get started with today's very special episode, a friendly reminder that you can check out our website, forever35podcast.com for links to everything we mention on our show we are on Twitter at Forever35Pod, Instagram at Forever35Podcast, and you can join the Forever35 Facebook group where the password is Serums. Uh, we also have a newsletter, which you can sign up for at Forever35Podcast.com. If you want to reach us, we have a voicemail and a text message number. It's 781-591-0390. We love an email. You can send a voice memo to our email. It's forever35podcast at gmail.com. And look, we always deeply appreciate a review on Apple Podcasts. So thank you for taking the time to do that. All right, Dory, now I hand it over to you because you've got to share how we are celebrating your book launch next week. Yes. So we've mentioned this before, but it is going to be a two-night virtual book launch event I will be talking to many illustrious people, including Kate Spencer, Mm. Maureen Gu, Jasmine Guillory, Elizabeth Holmes. The list just goes on and on and on. So that is on June 28th and 29th. You can get tickets at the Eventbrite link in the show notes or by going to my website, dory-afrew.com. And if you buy a ticket that includes a hardcover copy of the book, I will also personalize it for you. How about that? 
That sounds wonderful. And I know this is, you know, not the reason why we buy books, but your book is gorgeous. I'm holding it in my oh, hands. Well, thank you, Kate. Not only is the writing gorgeous and the storytelling gorgeous, but the just the exterior just feels good in my hands. Too much? Oh, no, or not I enough? appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad you do because, you know, we're doing things a little differently today. Today, you're, sure in, are. you're in the hot seat. I know. And I'm like kind of excited to torture you just a little bit. Wow. <laughs> I mean, Kate, please keep in mind, you have a book coming out next year. So everything you do to me will be done back to you. That's tenfold. right. I'm rubber in your glue. It's all it's all <laughs> going to come back around. Yeah. Okay. So, so today we are celebrating your book coming out next week by just interviewing you. This whole episode is the Dory Shafrir guest oh episode. God. I know. Is that awkward or what? Ay, ay, ay. So it's a little awkward. Well, you know, I mean, it, it's interesting because your book is a memoir. So I know, yeah. you really like you can't not hide behind the fiction because that's not what fiction writers do. But I mean, like th this story is your story. It's nobody else's. Yes. That for is, better that or for is worse. True. That is very true. <laughs> So, Dory, I don't know if you know this, but on Forever 35, we love to start uh, each episode off by sharing the bio of our guest. Now, <laughs> we have, we've been playing around with this on the show because we received some listener feedback about how we intro our guests. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to read Dory's bio and wow. I'm going to read the whole thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And then I promise to go easy on you for the rest of the show. Mm, okay. I'll be because the judge of that. Okay, here we go. Dory Schaffer is a writer and podcaster. Her first novel, Startup, was published by Little Brown in 2017 and was called Biting and Astute by the New York Times Book Review. That's a big deal. Her memoir, Thanks for Waiting, The Joy and Weirdness of Being a Late Bloomer, comes out next week. Dory is the co-host of the podcasts Forever 35, which won the 2020 iHeartRadio Award for Best Fashion and Beauty Podcast, and Matt and Dory's Excellent Adventure, a podcast about navigating infertility and the IVF process. She has also written about culture, women's issues, parenting, media, and celebrity for publications, including The Cut, The New York Times, and Slate, and was formerly an editor at BuzzFeed and Rolling Stone. She has a BA and MA in history from the University of Pennsylvania and an MA in arts and culture journalism from the Columbia University Graduate School of Journalism. She lives in Los Angeles with her family. Okay. You have, I all, I sometimes forget that you have two master's degrees. I know. It's like so many. <laughs> it's like very impressive. Um, How did it feel to have to sit there and listen to that? I, you know what? I think I kind of zoned out. To be honest, <laughs> just like just did, couldn't handle it. Well, I was sort of reading along, but it was like I wasn't really like absorbing what you were saying. I get it. It's so. Do you awkward. know what I mean? It's very I, awkward and weird. I do, and having to sit there when someone just shares things that you've done is very strange. But I, I actually was really kind of excited to read it because I do think, like, in the gabbing that we do on this podcast, I know I personally am like I don't like I'm just talking to Dory. And you have accomplished a lot in your years. And I do think that, you know, it's nice to pay homage to the fact that you are in a very accomplished and biting and astute writer. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny that you say that because I recently rewrote my bio and I rewrote, I have like a couple different versions of my bio, like a short version, a kind of mid-length version, and then a long version. And this mm -hmm. is the long version. Okay, okay. And I had to really like, like, I usually don't put like where I went to college or grad school, like in my bio, but I was just like, I'm just going to put everything in here. <laughs> and yeah, and I don't know. It, it definitely like felt interesting. Well, I think one thing just in reading that out loud, you know, you've never felt like someone who's been behind in that way and i and i mm. think we've talked about this a little bit because you know oftentimes we we are one way to the eye of the beholder and we experience life in a completely different way than what people see right and yes. you 
you really experienced many things as you describe in your book kind of later or behind everybody and that has been both challenging and i think also ultimately joyful for you so before we get into some listener questions and talk more deeply about your life and your book um tell us like give us the elevator pitch of what thanks for waiting is about well you know it's funny that you say that i never seemed like a late bloomer from the outside and I do think that this is kind of one of those cases where I had internalized so much that the way I felt on the inside did not necessarily correspond to what Mm. seemed like was going on on the outside. So, you know, I think I did spend a lot of my 20s and 30s sort of feeling a little bit like out of sync. Like there were certain there are certain things in my bio that are not in my official bio, but like, you know, I was an intern when I was 29, which is like an age where I feel like a lot of people who make like the 30 under 30 lists have like, you know, started three companies and, or like, you know, published seven books or whatever. And I was an intern, like I was kind of starting over. Um, Where were you an intern at 29? I was an intern at Slate. I was an intern at 26. And I always felt very old. People, I was an intern at, um, oh my God, why am I blanking? Metro newspaper, the newspaper that you would get handed out free on the subway. Uh huh. Uh huh. And like everybody who worked there in very high positions were like my age or younger. And it was very, I felt very self conscious. So I didn't realize that you were an intern at 29. Yeah. I was an intern at 29. My, like, the person who was in charge of the interns was the editorial assistant who was like 24 or something. Like he was much younger than me. And the woman who ran like the whole culture section, like it was, it was basically like the number two or three job at slate was a year older than me. And had just like done all this stuff, you know? So she, you Mm -hmm. know, she was only 30 at the time and, she had this like very impressive resume and I was like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> um, so there's that. Um, I also spent a lot of my thirties, like I was either in kind of dead end relationships or I was single and kind of figuring out like, do I want to get married if I want to get married, how is that going to happen? Do I want to have children? Like all of these kind of big questions that it felt like a lot of other people had just like made their minds up and made it happen for themselves like sooner. And again, of course, that is not the reality of like the world. Like not everyone was doing this, but that it felt that way to me. And so my book is both about the kind of objective facts of, you know, being an intern at 29, but then also the pressure that I put on myself to reach certain milestones at certain times that looking back now feel arbitrary. Mm. Um, And yeah, so I, you know, I think that my book is meant as a kind of corrective to this idea that we have like these deadlines for things and that you know you really can kind of live life at your own speed and make your own choices like make choices that are right for you not the choices that you think you should be making at a certain period of your life and that's so hard to do 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 you remember a moment where you felt that shift where you were like oh i don't have to meet this deadline or I don't have to do things in this prescribed way by this certain age or certain time? Did it ever, was there ever any sort of epiphany or was it kind of a gradual realization? Mm, I think it was gradual, but it was also a lot of it happened in retrospect. Like I had been feeling quote unquote old when I got pregnant at 41. And then after having Henry, started just thinking about like all the benefits of being an older mom and being, you know, someone who had a lot of life experience like under her belt, if you will. Um, And that just made me kind of like rethink everything. Does that make sense? It does. It does make sense. 
Um, you know, I realize uh, I skipped over a question I wanted to ask, which is that on Forever 35, we start, we like to start each episode with asking our guests about a daily self-care practice that they have. Now, I know you share a lot by being on this podcast, and perhaps this what you share may not be a surprise, but I personally would love to hear about what is your current kind of daily self-care thing? Do you have just a tiny thing that brings you a little bit of calm in your life? Okay. I have a couple of things, some of which I think I've mentioned on the podcast. That's okay. Um, one of them is piano playing. I do try to play the piano every night. Do you really? See, mm-hmm. we haven't talked about this. I didn't know you were still playing every night. Yeah. I mean, you know, some nights I'm not home or but I, I I do try to play every night, um, and I do really enjoy it, and it's really rewarding to, like, master a piece of music. So that is something that brings me a lot of calm, a lot of joy, a feeling of satisfaction. It's also something that I, like, just do for me. As I've talked about before, like, I'm not, you know, trying to perform or somehow make money or you know what I mean like it's just a thing that I do for me um I don't look at my phone like it's it's very um meditative in a way I would say so that's one thing the other thing I do is something that I feel like we share which is (laughs) the spelling bee on the New York Times app god yes I mean we've gotten to the point where we text about it with our friend Danielle in our group chat. Yes. Like so constantly. I consider that I consider that also self-care. Doing the spelling bee, doing the crossword. I do the spelling bee, the crossword, and the mini crossword every day. I can almost always get the crossword through Wednesday. And then I have gotten the crossword on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Ooh, girl. But it's like not it's not consistent. Yeah. Um and I would say I get like 50% of Sundays. I've gotten pretty good at Sundays. Um that's great. So that is also some self-care. And then I got to say, Best Fiends, I play almost every day. Advertiser on our show. Ad- Best Ooh. Fiends advertiser, Forever 35 advertiser. Dory genuinely um, loves this product. We love our I do products. Genuinely, I do genuinely love this game. I do also find it pretty it, – it allows me to, like, escape in a way. Mm-hmm. Um. So that is also something that I do every day. Can I make a recommendation? Um, I don't know if you've yeah. found yet, but the New York Times has a game that I just discovered called Letterboxes, where you have to create. Oh yes, words. I love Letterboxed. Oh yeah, yeah, so I play much that too. Fun. I play Letterboxed. I play. Um, I sometimes do the vertex, mm-hmm. the, the drawing thing. I also recently got into Sudoku on the New York Times app. I'm really into all the New York Times games, pretty much. Who knew we would be turning to the New York Times for games? I mean, mean, they did, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) They knew. Um, Yeah, they definitely knew. And yeah, so those are all things that I do. I do also try to take a walk with Henry every day in some way. This morning, we took a walk to the Starbucks near my house. Perfect. Because I don't know if I'm going to have time to walk him, walk with him in the afternoon. It's also rather warm in Los Angeles this week. So an afternoon walk is like not as appealing as it is when it's a little cooler. Yeah, yeah it's very hot. Um, so those are all the things that I would say I, I do mostly on a daily basis that I do consider self-care. I love those. Those are fantastic. Thank you for sharing. Um, You know, before we get to our listener questions, I did, I did want to ask a question and then I think we should probably take a little break. Um, And my question is this, what do you think it is about the obsession of age going along, age being such a big part of success? I mean, I think, I think about these like lists that list people by, you know, as if the things they've accomplished by a certain age make them better than people who are mm-hmm. accomplishing things later in their life. And I mm-hmm. find those lists incredibly upsetting. Mm-hmm. And it feels like 
accomplishing things at a young age is valued more in our society. And I'm curious as to why you think that is and what you think we can do to change that narrative, to reframe that narrative, if you will. Oh, Kate, that's such a good question. I think that humanity has always like overvalued the prodigy. Ooh, quotable line. (laughs) Yes. Like if you think about it, you know, what's, what's the, what's one of the things that everyone knows about Mozart? Oh, he started composing at five and you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. wow. Like, (laughs) um, and just, you know, this idea that you're showing some sort of aptitude early on as like, I don't know. It's like not, it's not even like a predictor of future success because a lot of prodigies like burn out. Um, I think there is just like a, a veneration and valorization of youth in general. Yeah. And so when people achieve things at a young age, we've like put them on this pedestal where we say that, that this is valued more. So I don't have like a great explanation for like why that is beyond just, I mean, I guess it all comes back to like fear of our own mortality or something. <laughs> I guess it's like, if you get everything done when you're young, then you've, you've like achieved everything. So just mm-hmm. in case you die young, then <laughs> I mean, sorry, that got real dark. No, but that is, I mean, but truthfully, I'm sure it's all, I mean, everything is connected to our mortality, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's yeah. a very wise answer, Dory. Thank you. And in terms of what we can do to change that, I mean, I think just continuing to tell the stories of people who have done things at an older age. Mm, yeah. And not just for the first time. Like, I think that when we place too much of an emphasis on youth, we are also placing too much of an emphasis on inexperience and devaluing experience. So, you know, you think about people talking about people in the workplace and they're like, oh, she's been here for like 20 years. Well, it's like, yeah, she's been here for 20 years. She probably does her job really fucking well and like knows everything about the company. And you know what I mean? There's just this like perception that, oh, this person who's like 24 who has a year of experience is is going to come in and shake things up. Well, you know, that might not be true all of the time, <laughs> but that has become this like accepted wisdom. Yeah. And I don't think it actually is. So I think like respecting elders, <laughs> respecting experience um, is really important. Like just saying, you know, someone who's like, 75 who writes a great book like we should be as thrilled about that as someone who's 25 yeah i'm with you so and as impressed that was a soapbox you will you're known for climbing atop them occasionally that is true (laughs) i All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we received a lot of questions about the writing, about your writing process specifically. So um, we'll dig into those. Right. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings. There's nights out. It's 
vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that my, thing every day. I do too. Uh, it's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me let me just tell you why. Yeah, get or, into okay, it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just <laughs> going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes, that's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh, God, like get this off of me. No, thank <laughs> once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also, like summer sweat under those underwires is like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the US and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, this is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm I hearing mean, those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be Redefining feminism with glorious Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one -on -one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh, mm -hmm. okay. 
like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Okay, Dory. So, okay, Kate, let's get down to business. <laughs> hey, are you mocking the way I conduct this interview? No, let's get down to business. <laughs> Do you know that song, by the way? It's like a very repetitive dance song on no. radio right now. Ugh. I don't know it. Of people who know it, they'll know it's a real earworm. Okay, so I wanted to first kind of share some of the listener writing questions uh, for you to answer because people really wrote in with a lot of a lot of great asks. Okay, so Ooh. let's start here. How okay. did you know it was the time to write? I believe they specifically mean this book versus 10 years from now. I mean, I can't say how I will feel 10 years from now. Maybe I'll write another book 10 years from now. It just felt like I had accumulated enough experience and anecdotes and perspective Mm. on what had happened in my life so far um, that it felt like it was the right time to put it all together into a narrative. Excuse me. All right. Another listener wants to know, with so many books and writers, how did you feel empowered to write all caps, your story? I mean, this is like the eternal question, right? Mm, Yeah. And I definitely had some moments where I was like, what gives me the right to, to think that my story is worth sharing? I had those thoughts all the time. Um, and someone very wise who I talked to about this was like, first of all, like no man has ever wondered like whether their story is worth sharing. Mm -hmm. So that's number one. And like, number two, your story is worth sharing. Like you talk about things really vulnerably and in a way that a lot of people are going to be able to relate to. And you're giving voice to feelings and insecurities that people have that they might not have been comfortable talking about with other people. And so they're going to find like kinship with you. And I was like, okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's really true. Um, So that helped me just kind of think about it because like, you know, I am not the first middle-aged white woman to write a memoir. Well, and you won't be the last, I'm sure. And I won't, but like, I also won't be the last. Um, and so I think it that also reminds me of like when people have ideas for a podcast or a book and it's like, oh, well, that's been done. And it's like, well, yeah, at this point, like everything has been done. Yes. But now like you can put your own personal spin on something that has been done before and that has not been done. Amen. I think that's so important to remember. And also yeah. – it's it's really like every story is I mean, every person has a story and I think everything is valuable to 
to share. It doesn't necessarily mean everybody's life has to be a book, but I do think that yes. we should all feel the the value in sharing our life experiences. Yeah. Who were we just talking about this with? I don't know because we talked to a lot of people. I know, but I feel like we recently had this conversation about people sharing their own stories. Oh, this is was crazy. it with Georgia Clark? Yes, it was. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Kate. See, you remembered. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right, Dory. Here's a question for you that will okay. be fun. Could Dory give a timeline for writing the book, how long edits took, and when a deal came? Oh my god, okay. So, it was it's a non-fiction book, and with non-fiction, you can often just write a book proposal and sell the book based on a proposal and then write the book, whereas in fiction, for the most part, you have to have already had the book written. So I was pregnant with Henry. I was probably about halfway through my pregnancy when I started talking to my agent, Aaliyah, about writing this book. And she helped me put together a book proposal. And then we sold it in, I believe it was February 2019. And I started working on it. It was originally going to be a book of essays. And then Henry was born, and I did not work on it for about seven months. I was so consumed with having a newborn and, like, having a newborn and podcasting was, like, basically my limit, um, which I didn't know going into it. I had made the mistake of talking to my friend Joe Piazza, who is, like, superhuman it was right around the time her novel charlotte walsh likes to win had come out or and we were talking about it and she was like oh yeah i wrote that in like i wrote it all in the first three months of charlie's life like her son's life like you're not doing anything like she was basically like that'll be perfect for you to write your book during that time and i was like oh, okay i i but and like, i do i can remember you being like i'll just write it well henry like when the baby gets here like you just yeah. are gonna write through that time i can i can remember talking about that with you okay yeah. well you know who else did that is former forever 35 guest elizabeth holmes wrote wow her so many thoughts books book when she had just had her third child so like there are people who do this mm -hmm. it just turns out i am not one of them <laughs> i could not do this and then when i picked it back up I was like really struggling with it. And I remember I turned in a chunk of it in probably like January 2020. And my editor was kind of like, okay. Um, like she she basically was like, this needs to be like completely reworked. And I was like, all right. And I tried to completely rework it. And I was not getting anywhere. And I was like, this book is just not going to happen. Like, I'm going to have to, like, rip up my contract, give back my advance, and be humiliated. <laughs> and as a sort of, like, Hail Mary last-ditch attempt to get it done, I hired, like, an outside editor named Carrie Fry, who's amazing. And the way outside editors work is you pay them money and they work with you on the book. They do, you can hire them at different stages. Like some people hire them to develop a book proposal. Some people hire them to be there, like the whole process. Some people hire them to just like read a manuscript and give you notes. Like there's, there's like different things that you can do. And so I said to her, look, this, the, the revision of this manuscript is due September. I think it was September 15th. It was now May, I think. Um, can we work together? And she was like, okay, I have these like two months starting in mid-July where I can work with you because she's really busy. And I was like, okay, like I'll take it. I will take anything. Um, and so we started working together. And so the way that worked is I sent her 
I sent her what I had. And I was like, she's going to come back to me and say, you know what? I'm really sorry, but I don't think we can work together. <laughs> like this is un this is unsalvageable. I was pretty I convinced that that was what she was going to say. I re- you were really you were you were really feeling it about this book. Yes. Yeah, I remember. And I just like could not wrap my head around it. Yeah. And she did not say that, but what she did say was I don't think this is a book of essays. I think this is a memoir. Ooh. And I think this is how it should be structured. And I was like, oh, my God, like, yes, she's right. Like, this is how it should be structured. This is what it should look like. And so I emailed my editor at my publisher and I said, hey, I think I want this to be a memoir. And she was like, OK. Like, I think at that point I could have said, I want this to be like a spy thriller. And she would have <laughs> just been like, just get me anything. Um and sorry, this is super long winded, but this person did want a lot of details. So I'm telling you the real play by play. And so then Carrie and I went back and forth for a couple of months where like I would send her pages. She would send me edits and notes and we would have a phone call. She really like held my hand mm. for two months so I could get a draft of the book done. And so then I turned it into my editor at the publisher and then she and I did I think like three more rounds of edits. And then I turned in like the final, final version in January, right when my husband got COVID. So that was fun. Well, (laughs) someone did ask, where were you in the writing process when Matt got COVID? I was about to turn in my final draft. And as I said, on, I think it was on Monday's episode of the pod, that was a time when I was so busy and everything had been timed like within a second of its life yeah. to get to be able to get done because I also had taken on this freelance assignment. But I was like, okay, if I work on this at this time and then I do that and the blah, 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 blah. Like I had, I had it all planned out. And then Matt got COVID and like everything kind of like went out the window. But I had to get the manuscript in like it was at that point, it was like so late and so like not negotiable. Um, And I did it. I turned it in. And then after that, you go through you go through one more. I think we went through one more round. And then copy edits and then like final, final page proof edits. And then like the manuscript was locked and loaded. And here we are. And here we are. Yeah. So it was it was a journey. And there were definitely moments where I was like, this is not going to happen. I'm I'm also like, I'm so sick of myself. I don't want to. You know what I mean? Like, God, who's going to want to read about this? Mm -hmm. And actually, Kate, oh, my God, I forgot a really important part of the story. What is it? You read the manuscript. Okay. You and another friend of mine, Rachel, read the manuscript in December. And this was before I had put the finishing touches on what I was going to submit to my editor. But I was at the point where I was like, is this trash? Like, <laughs> I know, I remember. Like, <sighs> I had lost all perspective on it. And I was like, I need someone to read it. And Kate read it. And she was like, I like it. Yeah, and you gave me some great notes. <laughs> like, it was so far and from was, trash. But I just was like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Whew. Wow. Okay. Okay, Dory, here's a question. What was your soundtrack okay. while writing? Do you listen to music while writing? So I do sometimes listen to music while writing. There were a couple things I listened to pretty regularly while writing one of them was the little women soundtrack that's so specific i've never even listened to that okay from the movie it's good writing it's good writing music mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i've also always been very um i've always like this has been excuse me this has been music that i've listened to while writing for a long time which is the national oh band. yes um, of course just listening to all of their albums, I 
for some reason, I that has been like really good writing music for me. Mm. Um, there's also a few Spotify playlists that are like deep focus. Yep, yep, I know those. <laughs> um, and I'll sometimes put one of those on too. Good, good tips. Dory, what is the process behind the cover art? What involvement did you have? Oh, great question. So I was pretty involved in the cover art process. Um, I think I was initially shown a few different like broad concepts for the cover. And we landed on doing something floral to kind of go with the whole like blooming late bloomer theme. Mm-hmm. And so then once we had landed on that, then the cover designer sent me a bunch of different mock-ups of what she was envisioning for the cover. And from there, we kind of honed it down to what eventually became the cover. Um, but I, I had a lot of input. Like, I had input on the color scheme. I'd input on the font. I'd input – like, they they took my um, my notes. <laughs> which I really appreciated. Dory, will you write another book? (sighs) So. Are you about to break news here? No, no, no. no, I'm not about to break news. I'm not. I'm trying. I'm just like trying to think how to phrase this Um, or like how to tell this story. So. While I was working on the book, I was like, I'm never writing another book again because the process was like destroying me and it was, it like destroyed my self esteem. It was so just hard. I can Um, confirm that Dory did announce many times to me that she would never write another book. I'm never writing another book. Never. That's what you said many times. And I just, I did. I did "Mm -hmm, say never. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I hope you do. Okay. And I think I want to modify that to say I don't want to write another memoir. Fair. I would be open to writing fiction. Um, And I do think I want to try my hand at writing some sort of like mystery. Maybe not necessarily a cozy mystery. I don't know. uh, I'm still kind of mulling it over, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm considering it. I believe you have a mystery in you. Perhaps a whole series. No pressure, <laughs> but I do believe it. Every time you were like, I am never doing this again. I was like, mm-hmm. I don't agree. <laughs> oh, God. All right. I think we should take another break and come back and just uh, share a couple more listener questions um, more about your experience as a late bloomer. All right. Let's do it. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering crappiness, Dory. Mm. Okay. Which is okay. I know. Visible on my (sighs) neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, OneSkin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like crappiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel. I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm-hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm-hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving, that sun is coming at us at all times. 
OneSkin believes the purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. OneSkin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, OneSkin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. So, Dory, one listener wants to know, what are your favorite chapters in the book that we should keep an eye out for? Ooh, that is an interesting question. I do think that, well, it kind of depends what your interests are. Like, if you're you're interested in, like, dating stories, then... My, you know, I do have some favorite chapters in the dating part of the book. Like, there's a chapter about someone I dated named Luke, who, yeah, it's like a hard chapter for me to read, but I like, I like that chapter. And I think it's very relatable for a lot of people. Um, But then also the chapter kind of on the same theme of dating, like the chapter where I kind of, I go on a man cleanse and I kind of come to a lot of like revelations about dating. Um, I really like that chapter also. Um, I like the chapter where you and I are at the podcast conference. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That is rooms. Our hotel rooms. That is, that is also a fave. Um, the chapter where I moved to LA. Yeah, those are those are some some of my favorites. Someone would like to know, are you now able to handle rejection well? How do you get through those moments? Okay. So I think that dealing with rejection is a practice. Ugh. I really believe this. And I do believe that the more you experience it, the better you get at it. Okay. But if you're scared of rejection, then you tend to not put yourself in situations where you could be rejected, thereby not getting the experience to become better at rejection. So I think I think one one thing that I that helped me get better at rejection is I I put myself in those experiences. Like dating is just a mountain of rejection constantly. But when I started going on a lot of dates with a lot of different people, and this was in the year I moved to year after I moved to LA, I started caring so much less about each rejection and realized that I had the I also had the power to reject. Ooh. It wasn't just about, you know. Did this person like me? It was more like, do I like them? And so I think that, you know, when you can apply that to other aspects of your life, it will help you. It it helps kind of bring down the stakes for everything, right? Like yeah. it's like when you when you're applying for jobs, if you only apply to one job and it's like your dream job. And let's say you make it to like the last round of interviews and then you don't get the job. Like that is going to sting. Like that's going to really hurt. But if you apply to like a bunch of different places and get interviews at different places and like each one kind of takes on less weight and Mm. you can sort of picture yourself at different places. Same thing with like 
buying a house or finding the right apartment and, you know, you see a house and you think it's your dream house and you don't get it. Well, you know what? There's probably another house. That's kind of how I've tried to deal with rejection. And it's also like, that doesn't mean that you can't be sad about getting rejected. You know, like, this is so dumb, but we had to apply to preschools for Henry this year. Mm -hmm. And there was one preschool that there were, I liked all, I liked most of the preschools we looked at and I was like, he'd be happy. He'll thrive anywhere. He'll be happy. But there was like one preschool where I was like, oh my gosh, like he will just do so great at this preschool and I'll love this preschool and I'll, you know, I kind of like fantasize about this world where he went to this school and he didn't get in. And I was like, those fuckers. (laughs) (laughs) How dare they? (laughs) And then I was like, you know what? It's probably not even about us. Like they had a slot to fill and it just went to someone else and it's fine. Um, And I think, you know, not letting yourself like dwell on that, like letting yourself be upset, letting yourself be sad, but not dwelling on it and not taking it personally is what I'm like, was what I try to practice. I mean, I, I will reveal that last night at approximately 9, 18 p.m., I did send you a very needy text message thread about what if people don't like my book? Like, what if nobody likes it? What do I do? Oh, yes, 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 <laughs> yes. yes. And you gave yes. me good advice. And I, and you said, like, it if someone doesn't like it, it sucks, but life goes on. That's a direct quote from a text message. Hmm. Well, that, that was a wise thing for me to say. It is, but it's, tr- <laughs> but it's true. You, you were basically like, yeah, it could happen. And like, it sucks, but it's not going to be everybody. And you just deal with it. And I, I felt that, that was just like, oh, yeah, okay. It's not the end of the world. Yeah. I thought that yeah. was very helpful. So thank you. Oh, good. I'm glad. Someone but that took a to, long oh, time. Sorry. That took a Go long ahead. time to, that took a long time to like, be able to say, be able to do. Well, and of course, it's never 100% like you're describing, like you can always still feel frustrated or hurt by rejection. But I do think learning to kind of take it more in stride is, Mm -hmm. as you say, a practice. Yep. Yep. How do you know, Dory, when to go out on a second date, online dating, or just move on? So, My general feeling on this is if you are questioning, you should just go on the second date. Oh, you thought I was going to say the opposite, didn't you? Yes. But is your, is your (laughs) point of view like, what have you got to lose basically? A, what have you got to lose except, I don't know, two hours of your life? B, I think first dates are not always like, I mean, are, often not the best indicators of someone's personality and hitting it off immediately with someone is a tough that's kind of you know that's sometimes like a tough proposition like you don't like, i don't know maybe the person had a hard day like maybe they're really nervous like yeah people don't always put their best foot forward at a on a first date despite their best efforts and so i think that if you go on a date with someone and you see any like redeeming qualities in them, it is worth and and there is mutual interest in going on a second date, then you should go on the date. Now, of course, if there are any like real red flags or the person makes you uncomfortable or, you know, if there's any like real reason why you don't want to go on the date, I would say don't go. But if you're just sort of like, mm, I'm not sure about this person, I think you should go on the second date. All right. I think I I personally think three dates is like a good number to go on with someone. Okay. Well, listen, for all you people dating out there, bring Dory along in your head. <laughs> all right, Dory, well, how do can you I just say, oh, can I can yes? I just say one more thing about that? Mhm. I think that also often and I talk about this in my book too. Online dating in particular can lead us to get hung up on things that are ultimately not important. And I think it is important for people who are dating to try to keep an open mind about people. And like we would want them to do the same about us, right? Yeah. Yeah, we would. 
So that was, that was how I kind of, that was how my dating uh, philosophy, if you will, evolved. Now, again, if you go on three dates with someone, the conversation is stilted. You're not really sure if you're attracted to them. By all means, don't go out with them again. But I think there is something to like getting to know someone over the course of a few dates Mm -hmm. that will give you a better sense of who they really are and whether you could see yourself perhaps going on more dates with them. Thank you for that advice, Tori. Oh, you're welcome. I I got one more listener question that I would love to share with you. Okay. How do you resist the pressure to only identify as a mom? How do you guard time? to write? Mm. Good question. Um, I think it's hard. I think that it's, it's imperative, at least for me, what I have found, the thing that works the best for me is when I specifically schedule time for things. So if I like, I know I want to write in a day, I'll put it on my calendar, like 11 to one writing. And then I don't schedule anything else for that time. Um, And this, you know, I don't know what this listener's childcare situation is or, um, you know, what they, what else they have going on or if they work full time or what they're doing. Um, but let's say you work full time and you want to still be able to write. Okay. Then maybe you wake up early and you put that in your calendar and you write then, or after your kids go to bed. Um, and even if you can only write for 15 minutes, that's okay. Yeah. I think we sometimes have this perception that like, if we're not sitting at our computers trying to write for eight hours a day, then like we're not real writers, but like that is bullshit. Also, no one tries to write for eight hours a day. I'm sorry. That is like, (laughs) no, even when you talk to like full-time writers, they don't write for, they don't sit and write for 10 hours a day. No, no. I feel like most of them max write for four hours a day. Yeah. Because it is so physically and mentally draining to just write that, it's you can't you can't do it for that long um so yeah so i would say like steal that time where you can and you know i actually feel like these are kind of two separate questions Hmm. like how do i find time to write and then how do i not just be a mom um and in terms of like not just being a mom i mean i think that is just about (sighs) reframing the narrative okay i've heard that before and Thinking about, like, what is the story I tell about myself to myself? And then that becomes the thing that kind of gets projected out into the world. Dory, I think that's a perfect hey. spot to end our conversation. Uh, thank you. What lovely insight. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Kate. <sighs> well, well, this was a real treat. This was a real treat. Thank you for doing this. (laughs) It was really fun. And I'm so grateful for our listeners for providing such interesting questions. I know. Our listeners are the best. Yeah, they really are. It's it's like kind of surreal that we get to be a part of this community of amazing people, isn't it? Yeah. This episode will be running on a Wednesday. And, you know, we normally share intentions with each other at the end of an episode. And I just realized I didn't even like think to look at what my intentions are for this week. I know. Or next week. So I'm going to give us a pass. Okay, great. As the um, host of this podcast today, (laughs) I'm going to give us a pass. I appreciate that. I mean, look, my intention is to um, support you through your book launch, read your book and enjoy uh, celebrating this really lovely memoir. That's my intention. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I hope to see many of you on Monday and Tuesday. Well, you'll know I'll be there. So I can't wait. All right. Well, Dory, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. 
Oh, well, thank you so much, Kate. Wait, you didn't ask, where can our listeners find you? <laughs> oh, that's right. I'm so sorry, Dory. Um, where can our listeners find out more about you and your book? Well, Kate, I can listen to the Forever 35 podcast. Okay. They can also go to my website, dory-shafrier.com. They can follow me on Twitter at Dory, on Instagram at Dory, and they can buy my book wherever books are sold. But Thank you we so much. do appreciate a purchase from an independent bookstore. Well, I will be sure to follow you in all those places. I can't wait, except for Twitter, because you're not on Twitter anymore. I know. I do follow people still, though. I just, I don't do it. So I think I do follow you already. So not you to do. worry. All right. Well, Dory, on that note, I'm going to share with everyone that Forever 35 is hosted and produced by you, our guest, Dory Shafrier, and me, Kate Spencer, and produced and edited by Sammy Junio. Sam Reed is our project manager and our network partner is ACAST. And we thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.